In case you haven't been keeping up, there's yet another debate about free speech on campus brewing right here in Wisconsin. This time, there's an extra dose of smut to go along with constitutional rights. Now, in certain circles, you might know the name Joe Gao from being one half of an adult film couple doing business online as sexy happy couple. But Wisconsin... Wisconsinites now know the name Joe Gao for making headlines after he was fired as the chancellor of UW-La Crosse and setting off what's been the most salacious story of the holiday season. Now, Gao was fired one week ago last Wednesday from his post as chancellor by the UW Board of Regents, which convened a series of sessions after discovering his not well-kept secret of making adult films. The UW Board of Regents allegedly decided to remove Gao without hearing his side of the story, which he's told reporters violates his right to due process. That could potentially lead to a lawsuit, which Gao is reportedly considering, and that lawsuit might prove difficult to win. Meanwhile, Gao's also been placed on administrative leave at his other post as a tenured professor and employee of UW-La Crosse itself. Officials are investigating whether Gao should be stripped of tenure too, which could be much more ripe for a successful lawsuit. That's uh, argues our guest this morning. It's an interesting potential case because of the nuances of First Amendment protections and what free speech on campus actually entails. According to our guest this morning, the potential lawsuits perfectly illustrate the nuance and limitations of free speech. Joining me now is Dylan Michael White. He's an attorney and professor of constitutional law. He's a former scholar with the Silha Center for the Study of Media Ethics and Law at the University of Minnesota, where his work is primarily focused on the First Amendment. He also boasts upwards of a million followers on TikTok with his account at Dad Chats, where he recently posted a video about this whole situation in an attempt to outline to us non-lawyers what free speech actually means both on campus and off. Thanks for joining me this morning, Dylan Michael White. Yeah, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks again for making time early in the morning. So let's jump right in and and talk about what's actually happened so far before we get into the theoretical. Um, now, former Chancellor Gao, in speaking to reporters over the last week, there was a great um, one-on-one published in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, yesterday. He's argued that he's protected under the First Amendment and his termination over his adult side hustle infringes on his free speech. But the UW Board of Regents, for their part, have called his actions abhorrent and reckless and causing the university significant reputational harm. In your opinion, if Gao does file a lawsuit, how do you think that's going to play out in court? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you know, I'm not I'm not actually convinced that he will file a lawsuit. But, you know, I think I think if he does, probably the, the biggest issue that, that he's going to face is something that's kind of misunderstood a lot in terms of what the First Amendment does. Uh, and it's it's illustrated really well here because there's really two different things at play for, for Gao's position. So first is, as you mentioned, this position as a tenured faculty member in the Department of Communication. The other is the position that he was removed from, which is chancellor. Now, a lot of times, and what apparently happened in this too, is anytime there's a, there's a contract for something like the chancellor position, it is a, a separate contract, almost like an addendum, if you will, to the tenured faculty one, where you know, your, your rights as a tenured faculty member are not necessarily broached immediately, and that chancellor position serves at 
you know, what's known as the pleasure of the board. Uh, it, it essentially is an at-will position. And that's really kind of important, especially as we get into some of the due process issues, too, in, in a second here, because in general, at-will employees don't have the same sort of fundamental constitutional rights that other public or government employees might have. Um, on that front, when we talk about his, his potential, you know, First Amendment rights, there's there's always sort of a, a set of questions that you have to ask, right? It's almost it's almost like a flow chart, if you will, uh, for for whether he would you know have a claim. As an initial matter, it's, I think that one of the most interesting aspects of this is a lot of courts have, have sort of carved out this basic question to start, which is you know is is the person in question a high level employee or a, a, a political appointee? And if the answer to that is yes, then generally the speech is not protected. I think even if you were to argue that he is sort of a, a public employee, it'd, it'd be hard to argue that it's not high level, right, especially as the position of chancellor. So right off the bat, he, he might fail on a First Amendment claim anyway. Um, and then there's there's also this sort of other element, and I, I haven't seen a lot of others uh, argue this, and I, it's, it's, it's possible that I'm wrong on it, but the thing that keeps striking me is I'm not actually convinced that he is necessarily a government employee to begin with, right? Because he's an at-will employee. He's essentially the public image of the board. He's responsible for implementing their policy, their vision. He's not necessarily, you know, a, a public employee in the same sense. He's basically representing the board, which is why it's an at-will contract, and, and he's sort of serving at their pleasure. But, I mean, even if we even if we get past that basic question, Right. Some of the other questions you have to ask is, you know, are they releasing classified information? If the answer is, is yes, speech isn't protected. I think the answer here is no. Uh, then the critical one is, you know, is he is he speaking about a matter of public concern? And if the answer is no, then not protected. So he he would have to argue essentially that yes, he was speaking about a matter of public concern. I, I guess you could argue that sort of the, the the vegan cooking aspect of it has some sort of public concern element to it. Uh, next question you ask if we're, if we're still succeeding on this is, you know, is, is the type of speech normally part of your job duties or are you speaking in your official capacity? If the answer to that is yes, then you don't have any, uh, any, any rights really on that front. If the answer is no, then you keep going. All this to say, basically, the last question of any First Amendment test is going to be, does your speech disrupt the employer's interest in an efficient workplace? And that's pretty huge here because if the answer is yes, then the speech is not protected. And from UW Lacrosse's position, especially given the nature of the contract, which we'll get into in a second here with the specific provision, they believe that it does, that it does disrupt his ability to, to run an efficient workplace, that it disrupts the student body, that it causes controversy, that it, you know, I, I think the, the word they used was abhorrent, right? It brings disrepute. And obviously, you know, some of that is up for debate in terms of whether it actually does or not. But uh, I think it's pretty clear that that the board was acting as though it does, which is going to be a critical element here. And by all accounts, I think uh, Gao is, seems to be a pretty popular both professor and former chancellor now, um, popular with students. He definitely seems to march to the beat of his own drum um, and do things a little bit his his way. But um, so there's a free speech claim, an academic freedom claim you also bring up a due process claim. And I guess, can you remind us what 
what due process is and how that could play in here that he argues that he wasn't given the chance to rebut the claims that his actions were abhorrent or reckless. He might argue um, that he's talking about the role of the the sex industry, right, which has changed a yeah. lot. Um, and and so he did uh, he did meet with UW system officials when the the videos became kind of known, but uh, told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that he hadn't expected to be fired without discussing it more with with the regents, essentially. So what about this due process claim? Yeah, and this is and this is a weird one, probably where he has the most standing, although I'm I'm still not convinced that that he would prevail on it either. But essentially, due process is a constitutional right for public employees has been interpreted government employees. Uh, where they have the notice and opportunity to be heard. And it's not just for employees either, right? It it, it applies across a a wide range of people. But um, essentially, he's arguing that, or he would argue that because he is a public employee, let's let's say that it's ruled in the chancellor position that he is, then he deserves and he has a constitutional right to notice and opportunity to be heard, which is essentially, you know, the, the board would have to say, Hey, we are, you know, potentially taking action against you for this. What do you have to say for yourself, right? That's that's it in layman's terms. You know, the the issue that I think he's going to face is public employees by definition are not at will employees. And due process, you know, while it's effectively a constitutional right built into that working relationship, this contract for the chancellorship pretty clearly states that it's essentially an at will position uh because he's not allowed to, you know, engage in certain behaviors that might essentially look look poorly for the board or for the university. So I, I think this is this to me is the most interesting question of law is does he have a, a legitimate due process claim in his position? I, I don't necessarily think he has a very strong First Amendment claim, but I, I do think that there is possibly a due process one. Okay. So do you what what is the remedy here even if um he does file a lawsuit? Uh he's reportedly planning to retire as chancellor in May, um, we know that legal claims often take a while So to, to move through through the courts. So what could even result if he does uh, file a lawsuit and wins? This is the most, yeah, this is the most perplexing part. Uh, and, and, you know, there, there might have been ulterior motives to this whole thing happening just in terms of bringing more uh, exposure, bringing more attention to just the issue in general. I think that that's probably underlying it all because, in the end, it's it's probably fairly limited in damages. You know, economic damages for something like this are, are a hard to gauge in First Amendment cases. But even if you are able to do it here, it's it's pretty clear he only has a couple months left of employment. So his maximum economic damages are essentially what he would have made in salary between now and then. The other elements are uh, emotional damages and punitive damages. Emotional damages, in, in my opinion, are going to be kind of unlikely here because he, he brought this whole thing on himself, right? He, he's the one who, who made the issues public. Um, he's the one who it certainly seems to be leaning into it. Uh, in the interviews I've seen and the things I've seen him talk about, he doesn't seem uh, emotionally damaged. Uh, I think that it almost feels at times like he's kind of excited to, to bring this case or potentially bring this case. And then the punitive damages, which is essentially trying to tell another party not to do something again, in these types of cases, it's typically against the individuals involved and not the government entity itself. So we'd have to, I think, go go after the board, which I think is just going to be a, a tough argument to be made. So I, I don't think he really has any sort of su- substantive damages other than, 
you know, to be able to bring more attention to the issue. Yeah. So we've been talking about his post as chancellor. Uh, and before we go, I know we're running up on time, but I we have to get to how uh, he has a second case. And this is really the meat of uh, the video yep. that you posted on TikTok, is that he is still an employee um, of UW Lacrosse itself as, you know, as a kind of government employee here now. Um, he's a tenured communications professor, and he's been put under review for, for the same, um, same thing, posting these videos um, and making them pretty public. If he's fired from the university in his post as professor what kind of free speech claim can he make there yeah I, and i think that's that's strong right his his first amendment rights as a tenured professor are 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 very strong and the nature of a tenured position is is that it doesn't really have a timeline right it's an indefinite appointment so his damages on that front are, are potentially m- much more forward-looking, right? It's not like he had a window of time where he was going to do it. It's, it's very hard, as we've seen over the last few years, to revoke tenure, uh, except in instances of you know what's called major neglect of duty, severe incompetence, or uh, violations of university rules. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything yet to really show me a, a substantial university rule that this necessarily breaks. I mean, we've seen uh, professors at different institutions over the last decade that have, you know, been uh, accused of some pretty, uh, pretty serious issues involving sexual harassment, bullying, misconduct, and most of those, you know, don't end up getting fired. They either resign or they retire after some controversy. So, you know, if he if he were to actually be fired from his tenure position there. I think that is where we really get into some some murky waters in terms of his First Amendment rights, because they're a lot stronger in that position. Dylan Michael White, I want to thank you so much for elucidating the finer legal points of this whole situation. Before you go, is there anything else you'd like to like to add? I think the other sort of element to, to watch is uh, regarding his wife. His wife isn't getting the same sort of attention. Um, m- most articles, she's not even referred to as a doctor, but one of the things I got a lot in comments in the video was that she is. Um, and she was in an unpaid position, so she might have a stronger First Amendment claim. Uh, but again, damages are going to be going to be hard on that front, too. Yeah, she she was really I had a question about that. She is really interesting. She did teach at lacrosse. She doesn't any longer. She was also removed by the UW board last week from her unpaid position as associate to the chancellor. Um, and of course, his, his wife is named Carmen Wilson, Dr. Carmen Wilson. So that is really interesting to watch as well. Um, Dylan M- Michael White, I really want to thank you for joining us this morning. And I really hope we have you back. Uh, not today uh, uh, at noon, but uh, but soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. I've been talking with Dylan Michael White. He's an attorney and professor of constitutional law. Um, He's a former scholar with the Silha Center for the Study of Media Ethics and Law. Um, And he has a very popular TikTok account. It's called at Dad Chats, which is actually where I, I stumbled across him. So, you know, score one for TikTok.